Welcome to It's Dangerous to Code Alone, a Lady Dev podcast, the show that keeps you better equipped for the tech and game industry. We're your hosts, Trixies and Chibi. And since this is our very first podcast, yay, yay. I think we should do a quick intro about ourselves. So me, Trixies, I was in the game industry for seven-ish years. I worked mostly on the engineering service side of things, meaning that my name was in a lot of credits, but I didn't work directly on the games. I'm now working at a SaaS company as an engineering manager. What about you? So before we move on, can you give us an explanation of what a SaaS company is? Yeah, yeah. So a SaaS company stands for software as a service, which means the company is selling the software as a license. Uh, for so kind of like a subscription. Yeah, yeah, like a subscription. It's a subscription model for revenue, essentially, to put it simply. That's pretty cool. So what about you? So for me personally, I have worked on a AAA title for about seven years doing all sorts of engineering, for example, gameplay, UI, and tools, and client engineering. And I'm sure we'll get into the different parts of engineering in a later episode, but I just wanted to mention that. Mm -hmm. Um, I have since left the games industry, and I'm now working as a hardware service engineer for a major tech company. I think it is pretty cool that we come from different backgrounds, within the industry, because I'm pretty sure our experiences are very similar, but very different. Yeah, that's for sure true. And I noticed that we both were in the industry for seven years. Yeah, the seven year itch, right? Right, yeah. (laughs) So let me ask you, Trixie, uh, you were the one who reached out to me about this podcast. I'm curious to know, what inspired you to want to make this podcast? Uh, well, I just noticed that there aren't very many lady game developer podcasts. Um, being a lady game developer is a unique to being a lady developer in the tech industry, I found since leaving. And I felt connected to the game industry even since leaving. So I feel like I can still speak to my experience and talk about the deltas between working as a SaaS company and working at as a game developer. Also, we're in a pandemic and there isn't much to do. So I feel like it's a good opportunity to reach out to my community and to you, of course, and socialize. Yeah, I definitely agree on both points. I think it is good to point out our differences between the games industry and the tech industry because they're vastly different. From my point of view, I am, like you, a ex-game developer, uh, been there, done that. A So done with that. Uh, yeah, part of my soul still thinks I belong in the games industry, but I think I am a recovering game developer. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I, um, I think that sometimes, and then I have moments where that remind me of my previous experience. And I, I'll save it towards the end when right, we get to right. our topics, but so I won't spoil it. But sometimes I'm like, 
no, I'm definitely not in the game industry still. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, well, you know, talking to other women and ladies in our game in the score that we are in together, it does sound like there is still a lot to talk about. Um, and we need to create a safe space for us to bring up these topics mm -hmm. because, you know, the internet can be vicious and people are going to comment. Um, so there are so many topics that I would like to do a deep dive on in the future. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. So let's go on for our topic for today. I think for the very first episode, we should start off easy by talking about the good parts and the bad parts of being a female developer, specifically our experiences as ex-game developers. So Trixies, do you want to start off with the good parts or the bad parts of being a lady dev? Let's start off really easy and go with the good parts first. That sounds great. Yeah, and just to start off, I guess we could say as being a software engineer that you spend all of your day problem solving. So every day is a new puzzle. There's all kinds of challenges that keep us motivated if that's the kind of challenge you like to do. Of course, that's not for everybody, but keeps things interesting. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, growing up, Math and science was definitely my sh stronger suit. Logic solving, problem solving has always been challenging in a fun way for me personally. So I totally agree with that. Speaking of also things that are great, money. The money is great. We have some statistics. So on Glassdoor, the average beginning salary for being a software engineer is between 51,000 and 108,000 on average. Of course, varying state to state and cost of living. And right. that's just from self-reported data. That is significantly higher than an average entry-level job for all industries, which is about $38,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So almost double. Almost double. So you definitely earn a lot more as a software engineer. Again, it differs state by state, but I think it is quite consistent that a an entry-level software engineering job is has a higher salary than an average all-industry entry-level job. Yeah, I think about the average in, uh, household income in the United States is about 60000 so if you're starting off at 51 and that's at the low point, uh, you're going to make it out pretty good for the rest of your career. For sure. And talking about having lots of money, uh, you have lots of time to spend it on. Right. Because so. the PTO for different, and it varies from company to company, but the average is about 26 to 31 days off not including paid company holidays. And some companies have really cool PTO policies. Oh yeah, like? Like Netflix, where they have unlimited PTO days. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah, a lot of companies now have unlimited PTO because they realize it's actually better for their bottom line. 
But again, I think it's a topic that we should cover in greater detail in a future episode. Let's move on to the next benefit, which is sweet, sweet benefits. Right. (laughs) And each company is different, but company I was at previously, they had free therapy and free food and the insurance was pretty sweet and the 401k and ESPP is awesome. What were some of your favorite benefits? Before we move on to what my favorite benefits are, for the listeners out there who don't know what ESPP is, can you just give a brief description on what ESPP is? Oh, yeah. So it's employee stock purchase plan. And what that means is that you can buy the stock when it's at the lowest point. Your company stock. Yeah, your company stock at the lowest point that it was being sold at during that quarter at a discount, which can be pretty awesome if your company's stock yo-yos quite a lot because you can get it when it's yo-yoing down at a discount. And then when it's going back up, that's when you can sell it. But of course you would want to do it a year after for a long-term tax benefits. But that's like for, that's a financial episode, like a financial podcast. And that's not what this is about. (laughs) We can touch, we can definitely touch on that in a later episode. Um, If people want, but yeah. Yeah. So I think it differs from company to company. I know in a previous company I was at, it was the lowest point between the start of the quarter and the end of the quarter, which one it's lower. So oh, right. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about other companies though. Well, my favorite, because I'm a fitness and gym nut, is <laughs> on-site gyms or gym membership and just discount on tech, discount on fitness, that is my favorite part of working in in a tech industry mm-hmm. yep. and the free swag that comes with it. There is so much free swag. It's right. a ridiculous amount of swag. I pretty much one day came to work from head to toe with all of my company's swag one day. It was wow. ridiculous. Yeah. Pants swag is a little harder to get. I would say like yeah. bottom swag is is kind of hard. T-shirt, yes. Uh, socks, yes. Shoes. I've seen difficult. it. I've seen it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What they need to do is pajama pants. Swag. I know. I know. I know. Especially nowadays during a pandemic. Right. <laughs> if you are in the Bay Area, I would say. of the people that I see outside walking on the streets are in some sort of company tech gear that they probably got for free. Yeah, it's really ridiculous. Everyone looks like a billboard to their company. Right? I even wear other companies' t-shirts all the time, so I have no shame. Yeah, well, when you go to Grace Hopper and they're like, please take this stuff. We don't want to haul it back. Please. You're like, okay, I guess. Okay, I guess I will do you the favor of hauling it back to my state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, another benefit, moving right along. Segway. Se- total segue. Another awesome benefit is the other Lady Doves and the culture 
of being a lady developer. Everyone is so supportive. I do agree. I think growing up, we have this stereotype of women being catty towards each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that stereotype came from because all the experience I've had so far within the industry was just very strong support and a strong camaraderie amongst women with similar interests. They're they're trying to pit us against each other. Right. And (laughs) it's just not going to work. Yeah. All I had is compassion, love within the industry from other female developers. Together we're stronger. So in that sense, we have to build each other up and like work, work with each other to make sure that we're all in a good place. And I've, I found that quite a lot while we're in the game industry is a lot of that kind of partnerships. Right. It's all good. And, and that kind of leads me on to something that I was thinking about as the good parts of being a lady dev is I feel that we are part of a cultural change Um, with everything that is happening around the world. We are seeing a shift in job roles and it's great that every single one of us get to represent and impact the new age of technology. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. I mean, we're basically on the front lines of this cultural and technological evolution inside of society and our world. There are so many things that are happening and changing. Right. And, you know, I'm sure, and we have heard so many stories that this has happened so many times, a cultural change within an industry, within a society. Grace Hopper stemmed from wanting that change and it's been around for a long time but I still feel like we are a part of a change I don't know what that change is yet but I think we're part of movement and I'm very blessed to be part of this cultural change mm-hmm. even though it's difficult at times yeah um, you've done some mentorship for young lady developers yourself haven't you Yeah, so I have mentored girls for more than seven years now, and one of the stories really stuck with me. I grew up in a family of engineers, so my parents were both engineers. My brother is an engineer, so I never had people talk me out of engineering, but one of the girls I mentored mentioned that her parents were actually against her doing software engineering, but she took the chance anyway and sign up for Girls Who Code. She told me that she was looking into a computer science program in college and that really touched my heart because I think everyone who helped her through this journey had an impact on her life where she got to choose a degree that she wanted to do and not the degree that her parents or her family is pressuring her to do. So, yeah, I think we are still part of a change and we are on this journey together and I'm excited to see what happens next. Cool. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad that you're so active in the industry 
And as part of mentorship, it's so important to be shaping and keeping those connections with the young minds who are just coming into the industry because you don't want them to get burnt out, which kind of leads us to our next part, the bad parts. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Let's just say as the first one, just to warm up, that it can be pretty hard to get your foot in the door. It's extremely competitive, and sometimes you need to know the right people at the right places, especially for games. Yeah, let me preface this by saying I think it's hard to get into the industry for both males and females, so because it's highly competitive, because to hiring recruiter, all engineering resumes look the same. Without any projects or a specialization, it is pretty hard to stand out. Mm-hmm. And the tech interviews are can be really hard. Yeah. I'm sure you have been in some recruiting event and you have done recruitment yourself. For me, when I was asked to do recruiting events, we are told to look up for resumes that really stand out by having personal projects so you have had to have make games to be in the games industry which is a really high barrier to entry because not a lot of people have the time or the knowledge to make a game so yeah it can be really hard yeah and just to add to that it takes a really specific kind of skill set to get into the game industry. The game industry is still run on C++ and C Sharp, and those are dying languages. And when I mean dying, I mean dying quick because colleges are not really teaching those languages uh, as much anymore. I was a part of a lot of recruiting events and I would literally go from table to table saying, does, does anyone here know C++? Does anyone here know C++? Like, I would just interview anyone who claimed to know C++ because it was so rare. That's a good way to recruit people, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, the main, the main languages that they teach still at colleges are Java or JavaScript. I'm super surprised because when I was in college, it was all about C++. Yeah, yeah, I would say that 80... 80% of my time was C++ and the other 20 was C Sharp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to get back to how the interviews can be terrible, they can ask you anything. If I was to give any sort of recommendations, I would say to know your big O, how to flip a string, and how to use bitwise operations. And for the love of God, uh, know what a linked list is. Don't say two lists that point at each other. Uh, so, <laughs> so embarrassing but you would not believe how many times people said that to me <sighs> wow yeah I can see how that is really frustrating for a recruiter for me as somebody who was looking for a job the thing that I hated the most was take home tests I would not say what company but one of the company that I interviewed for gave me two four-hour-long take-home tests that is done in C++, 
which I completed and ran and it ran really well. And I got immediately ghosted by that company right after I submit that. And I was just lost for words because I, I submitted it. The hiring manager did not get back to me and I was ghosted. And I found out that they announced a huge round of layoffs the following week. So I wasted eight hours doing a take-home test for a company to never come back to me. So that was frustrating because I want my eight hours back. Yeah, no kidding. I don't blame you. Man, that is really frustrating. Any kind of tech interview tests are really horrible. Nowadays, they have these online tests that- That make, yeah, they have these online tests. They want you to finish the interview within a specific amount of time. So like, I know Amazon is using it. They they want you to finish two interviewing challenges in 90 minutes. Of course you can pick any language, but it's timed. And at the end, there's like an AI that is rating how well you performed and also like does a whole bunch of like stress tests. And oh you, only, you only get about three ways to confirm your solution, but they're running like lists that are like thousands of lines long and also have all sorts of stress onto them. So it's testing its performance, how, like how much you were protecting your code, et cetera, et cetera. But what I hate most about it is the, the time portion because it's basically pointing uh, a gun at your head and say, Kurt, hmm. don't mess up. And then of course, like the AI at the end doesn't know anything about writing good code. So like, how right. could it properly, how do you properly score uh, interviews anyway? Stupid, I hate it. <sighs> yeah. So everything we talked about so far seems pretty gender agnostic. Like it sucks for everybody of all genders. But I think one thing that stands out to me, because my significant other, who is a cis male, and I interviewed around the same time, and it definitely felt like my gender still played a role during the interview. I think this is a deeper discussion that we cannot fit for today's podcast, but we should definitely do an episode of that in the later podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to hear more about your experience around that. So let's definitely do another episode around tech interviewing as a lady. Right. You know, one thing that we have to bring up is the culture in games and tech industry. Yeah. So Inside the game industry, you can find a lot of extreme personalities, if you want to put it lightly. My experience is that I was quite overly criticized. I remember being in a meeting where, it, even if they didn't really mean it, and they thought it was mocking it up as, it's a joke. We just got a new tech lead. Someone asked the question, why is the performance on this level so bad? And the tech lead said, and this was their very first team meeting. Oh, it's because Trixie's made it. I was like, 
What the fuck? How does that come up? <laughs> I like couldn't That's even terrible. freaking believe it. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna leave. Like, <laughs> I'm like two seconds from leaving. Like, I was mortified. And he said it in front of the entire team, whom I had was having, you know, struggling with anyway. So for like a whole new, brand new tech team lead to come in and just completely like nail me like that in front of the entire team oh i was so mortified i couldn't even believe it so uh, the tech lead said that yeah yeah his, it was his like very first team meeting too so i'm like what you you don't know me you don't know like what i have you don't know my performance like also like all the performance on all these charts are bad because we're displaying how the thing it's just test data and we're like, this whole meeting is about how we're making the performance better in the system because right. it was about like engine code. So we're making things better. That was like the whole thing. And yeah. I was like, what the heck? Like the whole point was for it to be bad <laughs> and for it to be That's better, insane. which you can see it did. Everything sucked. <laughs> like, uh, I couldn't even believe it. It was. I, I like I confronted him after the meeting because can you tell me where that came from? And also that was uncool. And he he said, Oh, I thought that was like the team culture. I thought everyone really got along. I'm like To hate on no the female dev. Yeah, I'm like, no, no, that you really miss miss that. That is not the team culture. And we are not close. It is not a close team. You, you <sighs> cannot, you cannot call me by my first name, sir. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm yeah. Just kidding. Yes, <laughs> sir. I do not I, like that. I definitely have had the same experience. I have had meetings with my manager where one month they tell me that I need to stand up and speak up for myself and the second month the following month to tell me or within the same month to tell me to be less b-word it is very confusing because you have to you're criticized if do if you do uh do damned if you do damned if, you, if don't. you don't yeah exactly so I definitely know what the experience is like. And I've been in meetings where I'm the butt of the joke before too. And it definitely does not feel good because you know your gender played a role in being. Yeah, on the spotlight. Well, right? also it starts to pile up too. It's not like it's a one-time thing either. It's right. like it's like a paper cut, but if you have if your whole body is filled with paper cuts, you need to go to the hospital. <laughs> there is a saying, "Death by a thousand paper cuts." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, a lot of people don't listen to what we have to say. So I've definitely been in meetings where I have been giving um, instructions on like. We need to we need to be following this direction and we need to I, I've already reviewed all this data and while you're going to be re-looking at this data to confirm that I was right, you know, kind of 
be looking at this with a grain grain of salt and like someone like stopped me tried to com like completely invalidated what I had just said and then took it in his own direction basically and then reciting basically everything I had done I'm like what the fuck is happening oh excuse me what is happening we'll right now all the yeah <laughs> well I'll just read like I was like what is happening is this real life <laughs> uh I have had the same things happen to me, and I'm pretty sure a lot of female developers will tell you the exact same thing. I have proposed new solutions or come up with how we should structure or architect our code. And to have another person shoot it down, but when another male engineer brings up the exact same solution it will be taken up and eaten up like a delicious peach so yeah we, we were, should we were joking a little bit uh at the beginning of this podcast of how we need to recite something that we need to say in a deeper voice right i think talk like this if we talk like this people will take us more seriously I think for the culture of peace, we can fill an entire episode on our experiences and how in those moments you kind of feel like, is this, is this happening because I'm female or is this happening because I suck? Yeah. And they're is, very good at gaslighting you. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would say that's definitely true. We'll definitely have to create another episode about going over some of the cultural bad parts because we could probably talk for hours about that. Um, I think to wrap it up, though, I think what really frustrates me even right now is many companies would ban aid the problem with very short-term changes or just make a statement they're, they're making improvements but don't actually do anything to address those problems and i feel like the team that i've recently left definitely fell within the camp of realizing or trying to acknowledge there's an issue and then pretending to do something about the problem but not actually doing anything about the problem yeah absolutely i know speak a little bit to my experience while i was inside of helping recruiting helping our ergs which employee resource group for women um everyone would say we don't hire jerks and we don't allow jerks to work here but I definitely was working every day with jerks and I would bring it to my manager and I would bring it to my manager's manager and they would say, we don't know what you're talking about. Like, we don't see what's going on. You're going to have to resolve these issues yourself if you want something to change because we just don't see what's happening. And then on my exit interview, I was talking to my boss's boss and he said, we do acknowledge that you are being harassed but we decided it was easier to let you go than deal with the problem. And I was like, if this conversation was recorded, 
I would be a millionaire right now. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even freaking believe it. Like, why, uh, why bring that up in an exit interview? It just makes me feel like everything, my whole, my whole career at that company was invalidated in that very moment. It was it's so ridiculous. I would say I went through the same motions where I bring up a lot of problems and they told me that it is just my issue. And then when during the exit interview with HR, because I was never told to bring it to HR by my managers, they just kept telling me to show my leadership quality and resolve it myself. Yes. And so I did that. And when I eventually brought it up to HR during the exit interview, the HR representative said, why didn't you bring this up to HR? All these seem like they should be looked at and investigated. And I explained myself saying that, well, when I bring it up, I was told to resolve it myself so I can appear competent and showcase my leadership qualities. And that is exactly what I did. Yeah. So. I, I feel like there, there was a huge, a huge like culture norm to scare people away from going to HR, which right. at, at my new company, I've learned that uh, it's totally okay to go to HR. You should go to HR if you're not getting the results you see. There's nothing wrong with it. And if you want to keep yourself protected, you should, you should do. I mean, of course, bring it up with your manager to see if they can resolve it. But if you don't have much confidence that that will happen, definitely go to HR. I think we should do a deeper dive into that mm -hmm. because... My experiences with the term go to HR was very different in the games industry versus a regular software company. Yes. Yes, we definitely will. Well, I think that's enough of going over culture. We'll save it for another episode. Yeah, I would love to chat with you more about this topic, but I want to be respectful of everyone's time here. Should we wrap this episode up? Yeah. Thanks for joining us on It's Dangerous to Code Alone. Email us at itsdangeroustocodealone at gmail.com because we'd love to hear your thoughts. Have you had similar experiences? Are you looking to get into the game industry or tech industry? Let us know. We're looking forward to hearing from you. And Chibi, I'm looking forward to our next chat. Yeah, same. Bye, everyone. Bye.